With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Here's some tips for maintaining your Trex deck. Um, occasionally wash it with some soapy water or a pressure cleaner. Trex composite decking is low maintenance and won't fade, splinter or warp. Trex, the world's number one decking brand. Welcome back to Dwayne's World. Great to have your calls and so many of your texts coming through. Obviously, the World Cup is the excitement machine that's about to take over our screens, especially tomorrow morning when Australia play France. We talk a lot about the different things that happen in world sport on this program, but the World Cup has suddenly taken everybody's imagination. Everyone's got their team. Everyone's got a second team. And Julian Lorenz from Doha has been good enough to join us. He's a football journalist, broadcaster based in London. He's with ESPN. He's from BT Sport. And you can catch the podcast, Gab and Jules, as well, if you want to catch his podcast. And he's been good enough to join us for a Macca's Coffee Catch-Up. Don't miss Macca's 30 Days and 30 Deals. Welcome to you, Julian. Thanks for coming on the program. Thank you for having me on. So it's pretty damn exciting for all of us, not just uh, Australians, but... The French as well. Most people expect France to beat Australia tomorrow morning. Both teams have a few injuries. Uh, talk me through the lead-up. Well, yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of excitement for, for the French as well. The problem is, as you said, is that we've just lost potentially our best player in Karim Benzema, who uh, got injured on Saturday night, who left Doha and the French camp on Sunday morning, which is brought really a lot of drama within the national team. I think there's a lot of sadness amongst the squad, amongst the staff that Benzema, who had been so looking forward to playing in this tournament, who just won the Ballon d'Or, uh, that he won't be there. So we've kind of reshuffled the team a little bit uh, after the Benzema injury. Olivier Giroud will start at front. We still have Kylian Mbappe and Griezmann and those kind of guys, which is, which is obviously very important and they are very good players. But I think the absence of of Benzema would be like a shadow really over that game against Australia tomorrow because because with him or without him, one, is a very different front team. And two, I think the fight that is not there anymore diminishes quite massively the chances for France to win the World Cup, but also makes that game against the Socceroos a bit more difficult because you know, Benzema is Benzema. So how much pressure is on France then, given that uh, they are the holders, so there's extra pressure there and they're expected to knock Australia over reasonably easily, aren't they? Yeah, I think the pressure the pressure was dead like, even before the Benzema injury. Uh, but it's really hard to retain your title. The last country to have done it was Brazil in 1962. To show you how hard it is, it's just, it just really never happened. Brazil in 1962, Italy in, in, in 38, and that's it. So we knew that before. I think the players and, and Deschamps knew that too. The fact that Benzema, I mean, I think the Benzema injury changes a little bit the expectations that we have. If you have no Pogba, no N'Golo Kante, no Presnel Kimpembe, no Karim Benzema, and also if you have no Christopher Nkunku, it's, we've got four of our starters that are already out for this tournament. So I think now people in France just 
expect maybe or oh, just hope that France will have a good tournament. But winning it, I think now is, is going to be very, very difficult, almost impossible. So the game against Australia, the question is a bit different because you're right, we are the favorite, I think, to, to go through. It's the same first game that we had four years ago, if you remember, in Russia. And I was there, and that was ahead of a game that was very difficult for France. We were lucky to win against you four years ago because you just made the game hard for us. And I think it's exactly the same that will happen tomorrow. And I'm not sure that in the context of France, with all those injuries, all the players missing, that playing Australia first is, is the game that they would have won because it would be physical. It would be aggressive. You are so good on set pieces, which is one of France's weaknesses. And, and I don't know, it's just, a, it's just a difficult game. And I think the boys, the players, know it and they feel it. And, and we will speak to Deschamps in, in a little bit. His press conference is at 12 o'clock my time here in Qatar. So I will get ready after speaking to you and go to his press conference. He will be always as well. But I can guarantee you already that there will be a bit of apprehension for the French and for Deschamps before playing Australia tomorrow. So what kind of style will they play, the French? And will this alter their style, the fact that they've got so many of their stars out? And do you think, even though a draw is kind of going to be a win for the Socceroos, do you think it, it makes them vulnerable and the Australian team might attack them more? So, I mean, in, in terms of team, we, we have a few other like, interrogations. It's pretty well a question mark. The mm. fact that Rafael Varane has been training with the team for the last two days. But... He hasn't played for over a month now. So, would he start? Would he not start? If he doesn't start, we go to a very young defense. Also, suddenly the two pairs of center backs, Konate, Upamecano, maybe Saliba and Konate, Saliba or Upamecano. Those are very young players with not much experience and suddenly he's never played in World Cups before. So, I think this is something again that Australia can exploit. Maybe for the rest, you'll have Griezmann, you'll have Mbappe, you'll have Dembele. You've got two midfielders in Rabio and Chouameni who again, Chouameni especially is really young, but they've never played in World Cup before. They've played Champions League football, but they've never played in World Cup before. So again, I think this is something that the lack of experience, the lack of, of kind of knowledge of having been there before could be, could be a weakness for France. That again, I think the Australian who maybe will deal with the pressure a bit more because for you, there's not the holders. For the French, like we said earlier, the pressure is huge. Then you'll have Giroud up front. Uh, and then Pavard and Lucas Fernandez, the two fullbacks. So this this should be the French team. I think I think Australia have a have a chance there to even maybe just as you said get a point, which would be a win for you. But if you're compact, if you don't play too deep but but play well defensively, uh, don't give us much space and then exploit the set pieces, especially. But for me, this is the key of the game uh, because the French have really struggled recently, and and Australia, you know. You certainly have the size to be good on the pieces. And then counter-attacking, but we can, you know, I think we will have some defenders who are quite quick to maybe nullify your counter-attacks. But I think you can cause a lot of problems to the French. So it will be fascinating tactically, I think, uh, between the two teams, but especially see what France do with the ball, which they would have a lot of, and not much space as well. So if you think France, because of their injuries, are less likely to win, who do you think is the biggest threat or the favourite for the tournament. I know that uh, the bookmakers have Brazil and Argentina up there. Uh, the English think this is their big chance as well. Now, Spain, Germany is always difficult to beat. Uh, who do you think are the main teams for this one? Yeah, I think it's a really... I mean, 
it's a really open tournament. I really think I know Brazil and Argentina, and I think rightly so. They deserve to be a bit ahead of everybody else, and maybe even Brazil ahead of ahead of Argentina too, just because it's Brazil and because they have this really incredible squad. You can maybe pick a little weakness in the fullbacks, maybe defensively with Thiago Silva's age, but it's still so impressive. When you look at the nine forwards that they have in the squad, it's just it's just it's just mad, really. So Brazil slightly above Argentina. I think for me, I see Argentina doing all the way. The last, the last four winners of the World Cup have been all Europeans. There's always been a European finalist in, in the history of the World Cup. So, so you know that Europe will probably have someone there. Will it be France? Like we said, I think it's very unlikely now with all the injuries. Could it be Germany? I think the lack of a number nine is a problem here. Spain, maybe, who did so well at the Euros in the semi-final, maybe should have beaten Italy in the semi-final. I think could could be there. England as well, although... Defensively, Harry Maguire, Gareth Southgate, I'm not too convinced that they can really go all the way. And then you've got countries like, you know, the Netherlands, maybe, that can create uh, a surprise if you want Belgium. What about that golden generation who've always failed so far? Maybe they're finally going to win something. Uh, and, and then I think if you go, if you look into African teams, Senegal have to be, even without Sergio Mane, the strongest of the five African teams, but are they strong enough to go in the semifinals, for example? I'm not, I'm not so sure either. So I think we have to say Brazil slightly above Argentina, and then behind them, it will be a European country. It's just that all those European countries have a weakness somewhere. It looks like it feels like Argentina and Brazil. Why not? Don't really have a weakness. And can I ask you the balance of the, the stories that you're covering and the way you cover them in France, Julian, in comparison to the way it's being broadcast around the world. How many uh, have you talked about the the situation with Stadia? Have you talked about the situation with the conditions there for those fans? Have you talked about the rainbow armbands? Much? How is it being reported in France? This World Cup as a whole. Yeah, you know what's really interesting, Dwayne, and is that the players haven't really don't want to talk about it, which is very strange. It's a very Usually the French have, uh, you know, we a lot on human rights and we talk a lot about political issues and, and things like that. The players have really distanced themselves, which I'm not sure is a good thing, really, because they have such a strong voice. You know, they are, they are examples for a model for a lot of people. And they have a, they have a big set to think, a big, yeah, big set to, a big thing to say, usually on everything. And Hugo Lloris really is the only one as a captain so I've talked about the issues here in Qatar, like you said, the migrant workers and what's happening, you know, on all the building sites. And there still are many here in Doha on, you know, LGBT plus community right here and all that kind of stuff. He doesn't want to wear the uh, one love armband and like a hurricane, for example. And you always, and you can see points saying, like, listen, we're going to a country and we have to adapt to their culture. And, and, you know, and how, how they see things and, and how they do and their rules, if you want. Okay, I, I, I kind of get it, but still, this is, you know, this is the World Cup and all those questions are so important. But they didn't really want to talk about it. We heard our president, Emmanuel Macron, saying, well, we can't really mix football and politics and things like that. And, you know, there's a lot of Qatari's interest and money in France, especially in Paris, their own like club like PSG, for example, but they own loads of things in France. There's a very strong relationship between the French government and the Qatari um, government or the Emir of Qatar. 
So maybe this is why it's a bit different. It seems like for our players or our president or our head of the federation or our manager and the additional head coach, and they, don't, they haven't really spoken about that. If you look at other countries like England, like the Netherlands, for example, they've been quite on the front foot in terms of all those issues here. The French lost so much, you can find it disappointing, and, and I kind of agree to that. But I think their point of view is like, let's focus on the football we're here. We want to enjoy the World Cup. The people here in Doha, and clearly, are enjoying it. You can see they're so happy that the World Cup is here. They're, they're different fans than the ones we have in Europe than the ones you have in Australia, maybe. So they still love the football. Yeah, okay, yesterday they left early in the Qatar in the Quarter game, and I don't know if it'll be the same in every game. But, but they also want to enjoy it. However, we cannot not talk about the issues that are in this country because this is what football is about as well. You know, this, we are all here and we're here to talk about the football, but we're also here to talk about everything else and hoping that football can help make life easier and better here for the, for the people who right now don't have it that easy. Yeah, it's uh, going to be interesting to see. Do you think it will become a, a bigger story as the tournament evolves? Julian, because players do like to have a voice. We say that sport and politics, or it has been said in the past, shouldn't mix. You should separate them. But we don't anymore. The LeBron James sort of shut up and dribble days are long gone. I mean, players have a voice. They have opinions and they have a right to use them. And the world, in some ways, especially the LGBT plus community, almost needs a voice that is as loud as this. Yeah, you are completely. And that's why I can understand if people are disappointed by the French players, for example, for not taking uh, a stronger stance, really, in this, in this, is- in this issue, in this argument. Uh, I think now, though, that the football has started, we had the opening game, obviously, yesterday, and now we've got well, the three games today and then four games and four games. So now we will talk about the football. And, and this is a good thing as well. Let's not forget, we're here also for, um, mostly for the football. But I, and I really felt that if, if, if we, we should have talked about this in the build-up of the tournament, like going into the, few, the, the, the start of it, now it's, it's a bit more difficult because, again, it will be all about the football, and, and, and it should be. So maybe we've kind of missed the trick a little bit, certainly on the French point of view, that we had a few days there we, we, where a lot of players came for press conferences, uh, and, and uh, we had time then to talk about something else than football. Now it might be a bit more difficult, but, but I, I, I think you're right. I hope that we keep talking about it, you know, us, because we also have this kind of, this is, this is our job too, for us here on the ground. I don't know when I will come back to Doha, and I'm here now, and I'm here to talk about the football, of course, with you, with, you know, with, with ESPN, with everybody, this is great. But I also want to say, you know, this is what I'm seeing here on the ground. I'm seeing... This is happening. This, this is how we welcome. This is what people say. This is how people talk. And, and you know, this is, this is also very important to see what people are doing with Amnesty International, for example, to help those migrant workers, uh, you know, to see if, if their people are coming here. I want to see how they feel. I want them to feel comfortable. I want them to feel happy. So not to go as far as what Gianni Infantino did the other day in his speech, which was crazy. Uh, and certainly, I don't think he... he he handled it the right way. And, and I think that what he said actually was completely counterproductive. However, we, have, we still have that, you know, that job to do. And, uh, and I'm really hoping even if the players start focusing on their football and, and us in a way as well, that we keep talking about those issues and how we can help the people here, again, have a better life. Julian, great to have you on the program. I really appreciate you giving us some time. So uh, 
Good luck to the French. Good luck to you. Thank you so much. I'm going back to bed, but uh, I know it's the afternoon uh, um, for you when we record this in Australia. So good luck to the Australians. Really, I really love you as a country and as people. So I hope you do well. Not so much against me, but maybe if you can get something against Denmark and then beat Tunisia and the two of us qualify for the last 16, that would be good. That would be nice. Uh, Julian Lorenz, French football journalist, broadcaster with ESPN, BT Sport, and you can catch him on the Gab and Jules podcast as well. Back after the break, great to have your company on Dwayne's World. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.